Hello, and welcome back to JLXP, the Josh Leesman Experience. You've made it all the way to episode 30, but more important than the episode number, I think, is what's recently happened in the LCS and the LEC, because like Team Liquid falling out before the playoffs, that was the biggest shocker of the spring split, TSM is now gone. So one of the fan favorites was eliminated in pretty thrilling fashion, to be completely honest. The five-game series was very entertaining. And now we're left with C9 waiting in the finals, and they're awaiting the winner of FlyQuest versus EG. Throughout the week, uh, we'll be doing a lot of content. There's this LCS tailgate experience that we'll be streaming every day that we talked about a little bit. I'll be doing a JLXP chrono break of some of Cloud9's past really close calls. That will be a live episode on Wednesday with Keen. But what I wanted to focus on more with this episode was a bit of a dissection of what went right for TSM this split, but also what went wrong. And then I'll touch a little bit on the series that we saw. I'll talk a bit about FlyQuest and then more of the previews of the final final will likely come during that Wednesday episode. So to start with TSM, I have a lot of thoughts and I'm sure TSM fans do as well. I think most of the Reddit threads that I skimmed through and most of the Twitter conversations that I saw were pretty much just flaming the drafts over and over again, which I think there is there is definite criticism warranted, but I also think uh, I, I want to take a step back first. So it's actually interesting here where TSM improved <laughs> from last year with this finish. It doesn't feel that way because most of the split was trying to figure out if TSM was actually the second best team. And then they actually beat C9 that one time. And people thought, hey, maybe if anyone's going to beat C9, it's going to be this team. So they're constantly getting built up. But spring or sorry, summer of 2019, they were 10 and 8 in the regular season, but they got a first round exit at the hands of Clutch. So they finished fifth or sixth in that split. And then they got reverse swept by Clutch again after they lost the regional qualifier final and they narrowly missed out on Worlds. That was the whole Acadian Grig Spica experience that we don't necessarily need to get into. And I think it's kind of important to note that they switched out a large amount of their roster. They switched out the jungle trio for Dardoch. They, I, I'm not sure exactly what happened with Sven, but uh, I feel like he was very unhappy, and I don't know if they could have held on to him if they had wanted to. But the, the more important thing is they replaced him with Kabe, and then they also brought in Biofrost. And you can kind of look at the traces of where those guys went and think, like, okay, Sven has obviously moved on and is having probably his best split ever in NA. Smoothie had a really bad split, on COG and Acadian and Grig just opted into the exact same Acadian Grig experience over on Dignitas. So I wouldn't say that that's necessarily any indicator of, hey, someone left TSM and immediately was better or someone left TSM and immediately was useless. It was kind of a mix of all the things. So I don't think that's like necessarily damning of the talent suppression machine meme that was kind of playing a little bit earlier because sure, it might've looked true for Sven but it has not necessarily looked that true for Acadian, Grig, or Smoothie. Another thing that I wanted to talk about more is like, how big of a disappointment should this be? 
because there's a lot of factors. And it's it's actually not a big disappointment in the sense that they finished fourth and a few things go differently in the series and they'd be third. And then they also 2-0'd EG in the regular season. So you think, hey, maybe, maybe they'd be able to be top two. So in that sense, with the top three LCS teams being able to go to Worlds, that's actually okay as long as they can continue to build. But the disappointing part is kind of how it happened because the 2002-2002 inconsistency is really frustrating to watch. The, the double salty runback is one of the most unique things I've kind of ever seen in playoff drafting. The fact that TSM beat 100 Thieves then 100 Thieves said, no, 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 our draft is better. And then they prove it and they beat them. And then the fact that it happened again versus FlyQuest, that's absurd. That never happens. Like salty runbacks never happen. Crumbs brought up one point that I want to give him credit for is he says they actually do happen a lot in scrims. And maybe the online environment is making teams a little bit more prone to doing it. But I think that's kind of a smaller factor. I think more so... TSM, the the reason I think it feels so disappointing is it feels like they have a lot of talent and it feels like they're really close to being really good, but then they just kind of suck. So <laughs> that probably came off a little too harsh, but it's, it's, it feels pretty true. And it speaks through the drafts in the fact that they so wildly vary in what they are trying to do. And then when they're actually playing in the game, their skill level looks wildly varied. And I do think there's a pretty strong correlation between the times they've looked very good and the times they've looked bad. And I don't think TSM necessarily was able to to latch on to what that difference was. And they... Here's what I think. I haven't done the full deep dive, but I was trying to organize my thoughts before this podcast and thinking back to when TSM has actually looked good. And even in the playoffs, let's just look at the playoffs. Their two best looking games was game four of the FlyQuest series today, where they had a five and a half thousand goal lead of 15 minutes, and also game four of the 100 Thieves series. And I'll tell you their team comps. In... The FlyQuest series today, they had Zyra Combot, which it allows them to do snap engages when Biofrost is roaming and generally Kabe. Like the, the, the massive draft difference thing in terms of the fact that there's 7 1 on Zaya, 7 0 on Rakan, and 5 0 on Syndra. Uh, I'm going to put a pin in that and come back to it later. I'm more talking about the compositions right now. The one against FlyQuest, Zyra Khan, Silas Mid. And then Renekton and Elise. And Renekton and Elise is the duo that you pick when you are trying to kill top lane. <laughs> or mid if you decide to put Renekton and Elise mid. But that is that is the classic jungle X lane duo that generates kills. And we saw Renekton nearly permaband at Worlds last year because once you got the Renekton rolling, he would build Spear of Sojin and take over the game. And it died down a little bit this year because... Sojin was gone, and Black Cleaver, Renekton, just doesn't have the same oomph. But with Blade of the Ruin King now doing 12% current health for melee champions, 
Reactin's got some of that scaling back, so I think we're going to end up seeing a lot more of this, and I liked it out of TSM in this instance. But there's that game where the, the strategy actually is Zyrakhan do their thing, sometimes Rakan roams up, but for the most part, you were just crashing top lane. You were playing this game completely through top lane, and it worked for them. The game against Hundred Thieves, also very early game centric, but more so something that can play around top lane because this was the Varus Kench bot, which can be a strong bot, but it's not something you're playing around that much. Zoe mid, and then Rek'Sai Callista. And what did TSM do? They just crashed around Callista for the early game and gave him a massive CS advantage and dropped the rift. And then, how's this one for you? The C9 win that TSM had was also a top game. It was set from Broken Blade into Licorice's Shen. So the strong correlation that I kind of gathered with this little bit of research was TSM is a top-focused team. That's kind of the only way they win. And that's not, that's not how you win uh, right now. I looked around a little bit, and even just looking at the LCS, like if I ask you, hey, what's TSM's identity? It's, it's hard to answer because they're so inconsistent, but when they're good, it's actually they're playing through Broken Blade. What's C9's identity? I'm guessing that Blabber and Niski are going to be the top two MVP vote getters. I'm not sure who's going to win, but that's mid-jungle. What's EG's identity? Jazuke and split pushing. Sometimes it's bang late game, but for the most part, it's Jazuke and Svenskaren and unlocking your mid laner. Hopefully this doesn't get too repetitive. What's FlyQuest's identity? What's G2's identity? What's been Fnatic's identity in the playoffs once they've started looking way better? It's been a higher emphasis around getting Nemesis going in these games and he's taking over. So we've known this. Like League has been a mid-jungle game for a real long time. And occasionally other teams are able to make successes with other playstyles, like when TL generally played around bot with Doublelift for two years and won four splits in a row. And it has got to be mega, mega frustrating that Bjergsen is not able to excel in a mid-jungle game. I think looking at some of the teams that have found mild success this split that haven't had dominant mid laners, you either, here's, this is kind of a half-baked, oversimplified version of how League is kind of working right now, in my opinion, but if you don't have a stronger mid-jungle duo, whether it's in draft or in players, you better have scaling because that's kind of how you need to win. Because if you don't have the stronger mid-jungle with the double Rift Herald spawn and how easy early dragons are to take at five minutes and then 10 minutes and how quickly you get to soul, I think it's more mid-jungle than it has been in past years. Because if you think about past years, how much can a team actually accrue by being able to move fluidly between mid lane it's like unless they can successfully crash bot you're going to be okay playing bot focused and they can draw you down there but now with double rift heralds coming up and the increased importance on dragon i think it's just an extra layer of necessity that if you can't control it in the early game you have to scale so the two teams that succeeded through scaling because they didn't have strong mid was 100 thieves every win they had towards the end of the split is because they had a trundle or a sejuani or late game comps that were able to turn on. And then Origin, who was eliminated today over in the LEC, 
Nuke Duck had a generally off year, but anytime that team was winning, it's because they had the most OP late game drafts and they got to late game and they were eventually able to win. So TSM didn't do either of these things. And I think that might be the crux of what they were having a hard time figuring out. They could play through Broken Blade. They could really crash early game, but that is when when you're doing that now now since you're only working through your top laner it's like it's just making your life harder it's it's harder to le- to move that lead towards drake to have drake control it's harder to make sure you had hero control so you're in all these situations now where tsm is choosing between a herald or a drake and they're choosing between getting a turret and a drake and they're either ahead in gold and up in drakes or up in drakes and behind in gold, whereas the more successful teams that are actually able to play through mid-jungle more consistently when they're doing well are able to control all of those things because they have that strong point in the middle of the map to move around. Uh, still not 100, 100% sure on this. Uh, I will, I'm sure once the LCS split is over and I'm diving more into LPL and LCK, I'll be able to see if this type of consistency and correlation continues but i thought that i thought that might be a pretty good descriptor of what's what's happening with tsm and then the extra reason why that's disappointing is like man you really think bjergsen and dardock could be that duo so often tsm would be waiting in the second phase of draft for some type of bjergsen counterpick and it just wouldn't come. He'd just play Victor. He'd just play something generic that doesn't have that thing to take over the game. And even when he is playing really well, it's like he only used the pressure top. Like he wasn't moving bot. The the Beyond what I just talked about, the, the in-game feel of TSM, and I brought this up on a few other podcasts, but it was like they, they couldn't walk and chew gum at the same time in the sense that it feels like a team like eg or obviously a team like c9 but i'm not going to compare them to to, i'm not going to compare teams to c9 right now because they're kind of just on another level i'm going to compare them with the people that tsm was generally competing with which was the revolving door of second place teams so you compare them to a team like eg and eg was really good at creating sideway pressure and then using that pressure to create plays. Yet when you watch these TSM games, they are almost always setting up late at the objective because they were catching a wave late. And that kind of just screams to me that they have, and this is speculation, so take it with a big grain of salt, but it kind of screams to me that they have one they either have no voice or they have one very loud voice that's saying, we have to do this, do this now. Because otherwise you'd think the instincts of these players would be stronger. You'd think that they'd be able to set up the right side waves and crash. I mean, it's like Splice could generally do this in the late game last year. Kabe knows it. Bjergsen has actually done this a lot. Like it's been really, like it's actually happened in the past on certain iterations of TSM. So all of that is really weird. And I just gave you about, checking the clock, probably 10 minutes of negative TSM stuff. So the encouraging thing is even if all of what I said is true, 
they were still one game away from the championship qualifier, and I wouldn't have necessarily put them as huge uh, underdogs against EG. So there's still, <laughs> and I hate them because I'm making this statement, but there's still potential and hope for this team if they can commit to an identity, even if that identity isn't the optimal way to play the game. And sure, that puts that puts a ceiling on their eventual level because I think a lot of what they did, uh, the pin that I'll return to in their drafts from earlier uh, for like most of the year, a lot of what this year was about, I think, was trying to identify what the best way TSM plays League of Legends is. And I don't think they ever really found it and were able to commit to it. But I think that's why like earlier on in the split, Broken Blade was something like 11 unique champions in his first 12 games or something nuts like that. Because you remember some of the games he had. Like he, he had a Kiana game. He only had one or two set games before he started settling on that as his biggest pick. And they were really, really diverse with what they were trying to do. And that's why they always kind of got a free pass for, oh yeah, they're just, they'll play the good stuff later. They'll find the good stuff later. And they just never really found the good stuff. So there's still a chance that in the break between spring and summer and throughout the process of summer, they they can find the good stuff. I do wonder if the fact that they did not in spring and the fact that the community is so mad at them right now and so mad at Peter Zhang and seemingly pretty mad at Parth and flaming Dardock, like I do wonder if they're going to respond and change something, which will open up a whole nother can of worms, but... I don't think it's completely hopeless that like there's no way this team is making worlds. I'd actually say they have a decent chance of making worlds, even if they change nothing, as long as they are able to solve problems, which is a questionable thing right now on whether or not they're going to be able to do that. But that's that's pretty much my thoughts about TSM. I hope I hope that was interesting to listen to. Some of the other stuff I wanted to talk about is pretty quick. I have some notes for other quick thoughts. Uh, I talked about this a bit on Bud Like League Lounge uh, about FlyQuest and why I'm actually pretty happy for this team. And I I think you should be too because of the journey all the players have gone through. So thinking about all of these players individually, they all have a chip on their shoulder Solo was without an LCS team before this split and seemed like he was on his way out of the league. And now everyone is saying that he is just clearly a higher performer than Viper. And it seems like he actually has a, a, a bit of safety on Flycoast. And he's looked good in these games. He's he's applying a lot of pressure in these games without much jungler intervention. I think Santorin, from his start on TSM in 2015 being called the ward and bouncing down into what was at the time NA challenger and finding his way back into the LCS. He's had a few other like pretty good splits previously on FlyQuest, actually exactly a year ago when they beat Golden Guardians to make it into the semifinals. That was a big moment for him and he got pretty emotional on stage as well and you could tell how much it meant to him. So I'm really happy that he's even better this split top three with a chance of going to finals. Power of Evil, who I think is finally getting the the credit that he deserves 
because it was always a bit of a, it was more of a shot at TSM when you said PoE was the Bjergsen killer rather than it being like a legitimate argument is the way that it felt. And he had the world's run with misfits, but then immediately stepped into a PR disaster with the way he communicated around his move to optic. But I think at this point, after being in NA for about three years, PoE has really established himself as this guy who can just carry teams to relevancy. He, I mean, look what happened to CLG. They were a third place team in summer split and they moved crown in for that and nothing happened. And now PoE joins this FlyQuest team and has just been like his damage percentage throughout the regular season is about 5% higher than every other player in the league. He's been absolutely crushing. And then on top of that, you can throw in Turtle and Ignar. Ignar has bounced around. Like since that Misfits team, he's gone back to the LCK, he's gone back to the LEC, and, you know, f- fallen back to the LCS is almost how it felt. But he's like shining right now. He's one of the best supports in the league and does certain things better, like his Recon, than Vulcan does. Not saying he's better than Vulcan, but he does certain elements of his play have just been higher performing. So really, every single one of these guys has something to prove. And I think that has been one of the things driving them and making them so cohesive and making them so willing to sacrifice for each other. If you need to play a weak side pick, if you need to have the right thing for a cohesive team comp, if Solo dies five times because he just gets totally blasted by the other team sending all of TSM to him multiple times, it seems like the team has just been able to bounce back from that. So, like, credit to FlyQuest. I'm looking forward to seeing if they can make finals. I actually, I'm actually predicting them against EG. I won't get too into that, but I think the series they played last week, if Solo had started from the start, I think FlyQuest wins. I mean, they won game three. They were damn close to winning game four without all the weird momentum shifts of those pauses. And that's like... To me, that's one and a half to half is <laughs> kind of like the current score of the solo fly quest versus EG. And I think they've only had more time to build synergy with him in the meanwhile. So I think it'll be a close series, but I think fly quest will actually be in the finals against C9. And finally, I think that the C9 team, the only thing that will stop you from thinking they have a 100% chance to win is superstition. And superstition is real. There, there's been there's been a lot in C9's history where what you expect to happen doesn't happen. So it will almost certainly not happen this time. It they are on the precipice of being the best NA team in history. And I've I've thought a little bit more about this, like in terms of game score and in terms of domestic. I'm not talking about international stuff. They're they're 23 and 2 right now. So if they 3 0, they'll be 25 and 2. That is really comparable to the 2014 summer C9, or sorry, spring, uh, 2000, 2013 summer C9, who did 25 and 3 and then 5 0'd the old playoff format because we do, <laughs> do best of threes all the way up into the finals. Glad that changed. But yeah, they only played five playoff games. So they were 30 and 3. And I think uh, 26 and 2 is a damn good argument for that, especially since the overall talent from top to bottom in the LCS has gotten way higher. Like 
I know people like to meme it sometimes, but go back to some of those 2013 VODs and look at, like, look at who was seventh and eighth. <laughs> the, the, the quality of orgs, especially post-franchising, has gone way up. And the quality of the bottom tier teams and middle tier teams has also actually gotten way better throughout the years. So really a bunch of credit to C9. I know Zven made a comment that they're shadow boxing against themselves, which is true. And the fact that they've been able to stay motivated and stay sharp this whole time is really, really hard. And I think they've done a great job with it. The other thing I'll touch on really briefly is I'm thinking G2 Fnatic is going to be the LEC final. I still think it's a little fluky that Mad Lions beat G2. And I think uh, Caps heard y'all were talking shit. He got a lot better. <laughs> he looked really good in the Origin series. He got that Pentakill, had some ridiculous late game Aphilios team fights. Uh, they're gonna be they're gonna be mad against Mad Lions, and it'll be I mean, that'll be the highlight final just because of the rivalry, because they have the team that can stand and there's a level of uncertainty about who will win if it gets there. I mean, if Mad Lions just beats G2 again, then you got the same story where you think Fnatic is just going to walk over them because Fnatic has actually looked really, really strong, uh, as has Cloud9. It's just the the opposition, I don't feel like, is waiting quite the same way in the loser's bracket as we have over in the LEC. So I think that's about it for me here. I do want to ask you to tune into our midweek JLXP chrono break. The game, it's still a little bit in planning processes, so I don't know exactly how the show is going to look, but basically what's going to happen is on stream, we're going to replay just like full full VOD, the, some of the more pivotal and big moments of C9's history, like the times they've come really close to winning a split because they've been in this really long drought since 2014 spring of not winning an LCS split. And I think one of the big turning points was the 2017 spring finals, the Jensen Zonia's game five. So Keen and I are going to really dive in on that particular game and talk about what was on the line going into that game and what that kind of set into motion, because that you know, to over-dramatize it, that one button press sent ripples through LCS history with Jensen and Impact switching teams to win a title. And then eventually this C9 emerging at the end of it. It's it's cool to think about. I still need to do a little bit more research and track all the stuff out, but that's kind of the the overall pitch for it. So I hope to see you there. I hope you're subscribing on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. I know it's been crazy out there. I know that it's it's difficult to find the time to watch some of these audio-only podcasts, but I really appreciate those of you that have been listening. I hope you enjoyed this one, and I'll see you next time.